All right, welcome to Adulting Poorly. As we do every week, we got some weird shit to cover. Um, first, I'd like to say congratulations to Mr. and Mrs. Spear. Um, the wedding that I officiated over this weekend, which was an absolute blast. A very unconventional wedding, but very cool in the same right. It was on the back porch of a... I guess you could say chalet in Leavenworth, Washington, overlooking uh, the Wenatchee River, which was kind of slow moving because of how cold it was. And yeah, fucking cold. It was like 15 to 30 degrees the entire time we were there. Uh, I don't think we'll ever be allowed back to Ducks and Drakes. And I know for a fact, I'll never be allowed back to the Safeway there. Uh, for those of you that don't know the story, uh, the first night we were there, there was myself and four other people that went into the Safeway. And as we were cashing out, I decided to be kind of an asshole to have a little bit of fun. So as they came into the line behind me, I started getting super upset. Like, I can't believe these fucking people are here. I've, they've been driving me nuts all night. I can't believe you guys are here. Can you keep your shit away from mine? Just making a scene. Making a horrible scene. All the way through cashing out... Everything, just embarrassing the people behind me, who, by the way, were with me, but the cashier had no idea of that. I storm out of the store, only to walk back in and scream, Goddamn white people! And then leave. And I'm giggling my ass off. I think it's the funniest thing ever. What I missed, though, is that apparently I made it seem like Drunky Drunkertons behind me needed to be ID'd multiple times, and question him for being there. Uh, I'm sorry, Dan, but that was fucking hilarious. Um, that's kind of, yeah. Don't tell me to be good in a grocery store. It's not going to wind up happening. This is kind of on you guys, not on me. Anyway, moving forward. Um, the other thing we got to talk about today is <sighs> leaving Neverland. So, for those who haven't seen it yet, man, I highly suggest you watch it. And everything I'm going to talk about today, we're going to, we have to start by saying, allegedly. Everything, every accusation has to be thrown out that there is an alleged accusation about this because it was never proved in a court of law and I don't want to get fucking sued. That being said, where there is smoke, there is probably... Oh, God, a lot of fire and some very, very damaged adults now. We'll get to that in a second. And then I also promised I'd talk to you guys about my my fire shrimp. But, man, this leaving Neverland thing has just... It is, it is stuck in my head and you cannot unhear some of the things that you hear in there. If these guys are making this story up, it is the best lie anybody's ever told. Because both of them have almost the exact same story. And one of them grew up in Australia and the other one grew up here. Like, uh, granted, one of them moves out to L.A., but still, the way that the parents were groomed, the way that the kids were groomed, it's hard to believe that they are not telling the truth. So again, alleged accusations, but man, these guys are convincing. And I mean, 
same story down to like start to finish how they met you name it it's so fucking creepy that it just it's it's nerve-wracking but the other thing it kind of brings up is if you look at everything that happened the accusations the millions of dollars that were paid out um you know to everyone called it hush money but just you know just to get it out of the courts um and then you look at what's going on with r kelly right now like why is it that if you make a hit record that when these accusations come out, they're nowhere near as severe as what happened with the Me Too movement. Like, what is the fucking difference between the two? Why are we still playing either of these people's music on any radio station, Spotify, anything else? If these accusations were true in any case, like if R. Kelly's convicted of his little pee-pee scandal and everything else, the surviving R. Kelly, the fucking shit that goes on with him, allegedly, then... Why would his music still be played on the radio today? Now, granted, that also brings up a bigger conversation of why are Harvey Weinstein movies still being played? And you have all these people that have come out against, like, Kevin Spacey. Why are his movies still being played? Completely understand it. What I think the difference is, is that they're not still getting paid where recording artists are still getting paid while their music is being played all over the country. Their royalties are still coming in. Like, there's so much that goes along with it that's just... It's not discussed. It's it's fucked up how different these people are treated. And if you look at it even from a poor person versus rich person, you can even bring Paul Manafort into this. Not saying that he's done anything sexual, but he's about to in prison. Um... But look at the charges and look how each of these pe- these people are being handled. They're called up. They're told when they're going to be arrested. The sheriff show up, request that they get in the car. There's no fucking handcuffs. They're put on bail. Yes, their bail's exorbitant, but it's easy for them to actually get out of prison. It's not a huge deal. And then the charges are minimal at best. Manafort's serving a 47-month sentence. If you were busted six years ago... With an ounce of marijuana, you'd be serving a longer sentence than that fucker is. And he's committed treason against our country. Can't get started on that. But he will get sport fucked in prison, guarantee it. Uh, Just for bragging rights alone, why not? Alright, let's back up. Back to Neverland Ranch. So, I like... I took four pages of notes watching this two-day or this four-hour documentary. Um... And actually told somebody that without telling them I was doing a podcast. Uh, and they happened to be a police officer and looked at me like, why are you taking notes on how somebody groomed uh, children as a pedophile? And I was like, um, fair question. Um, I'm doing a podcast. I'm not like, wow, this is super interesting and I got to learn how more about this. Nope. Not, not a chance. So, I, like, I, I don't even know where to start. So I thought I would break it up into sections. Like, let's look at Michael Jackson and the parents. As far as the parents' perspective is concerned. Um, one of the things that, like, I, I hold a lot of blame on the parents for if this happened. Because not only did they, like, four parents... And then eventually three, only because this ruined one of their marriages. But four parents 
were so starstruck and in awe of who Michael Jackson was that giant red flags, they just couldn't see him. Um, They had just colorblind for any kind of like red flag that was coming up about simple things. Like him wanting to spend the night at their house. In both cases, Michael Jackson made a concerted effort to actually spend time at both of these families' homes. And in one case, the parents drove to his home to pick him up to bring him back to their home so they could have a play date. He put himself out there as being just like one of the other kids. I'm a nine-year-old boy as well in a 34-year-old man's body. Like, just, he made it so completely accepted that there's nothing wrong with what he's doing. His behavior is completely normal because he treated them like he was a nine-year-old boy. That's how he came across. Both parents, both moms, talk in great detail about how he would call them, he would talk to them for hours on the phone, and I mean the moms, not the kids. He would do that too, talking about how he wants to further their career, but he would just talk to the moms like he needed a mother, like he needed someone in his life right, like that, but so he 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 made them feel like he was just part of the family. He's just this guy that's a bigger version of their kid. And they bought into it hook, line, and sinker. But in both cases, they were both trying to get their kids on television, commercials, um, dance. Uh, one of them was like this amazing dancer, but all he did was Michael Jackson dance moves. And when he was in Australia and became this incredibly popular kid for doing that. And then the other one was actually in L.A. doing commercials, which is how he met Michael Jackson, Pepsi commercial, but then was invited on tour with Michael Jackson so he could dance on the tour when they brought kids up on the stage at the end of every concert. And that became super weird. I think he was like seven years old during this time, and he's on a world tour with Michael Jackson, and the mom was completely okay because... She was there the whole time, but it's also that her son is getting this notoriety and he's getting famous over it. Flip to the other kid, Wade, similar, very similar. Mom was so like engulfed into Michael Jackson's life that she left her husband in Brisbane to move to L.A. with her daughter and her son so they could be closer to Michael Jackson so she could he could help further her son's career, her little son's career, five, seven years old. I can't remember when they moved out there around that age, but that's, that's fucked up. You ended your marriage so you could have Michael Jackson, what potentially help your kid out be a backup dancer? I don't, fuck, I don't know. But that was like the, that was the story he fed both of these moms repeatedly and repeatedly. You know, you're, I'm just one of the guys. You know, I love having your kid around. He makes me feel like, like I'm not alone. He literally groomed both so well. And one mom talks in great detail about how even being on world tour, they, 
They were in the most posh hotels. They had the best service. They flew first class everywhere. Like, bought hook, line, and sinker. Like, your son is being rented at the expense of your luxury. And then things started happening. Like, they would stay in rooms further and further away from the parents. And the Michael Jackson's handlers would say things like, Oh, it's just that we couldn't find a suite that would accommodate your needs uh, close enough to Michael. And what he was doing was, allegedly, was they was experimenting more and more sexually with these kids. But he would, per the stories at least, it started with like teaching them how to masturbate. And then, you know, watching them do it at nine years old. He would he was teaching them how to masturbate. Things don't even work really correctly at nine years old for that to be something that you should even be doing. But these kids were so into their friendship, this love they had for this man, that they were doing it. You're teaching me things. But it's also that it's Michael Jackson teaching me things. And by the way, both boys, or now grown men, tell the exact same story of how this started to mature into a sexual relationship from just a friendly relationship. And they went in great detail, which I honestly I won't do because I'll say a lot of things that I think are funny. I'll say pretty much anything, but the descriptive terms they used about how he satisfied himself sexually, again, allegedly during these encounters is graphic And it's hard to say, especially if you have kids, it's super hard to see someone in that position and be okay with what they're telling you. Like it was, it's pretty damning. Anyway, I'm reeling it back a bit. So when you look at just kind of those, those two parallels between the mothers, uh, willing to like offer their kids up to Michael Jackson to make sure that they were famous. You had one mother that had a house perched or for her, this is after um, her son now is around, I think, 13 to 16. We have the first charges actually come out against Michael Jackson. I think this is in 1993. And he, you know, went to the, told the families that, number one, they needed to testify on his behalf. And this is something that happened regularly. They need to testify on his behalf. You know me as a character. I've been around your son for years and there's never been an issue because he also had these kids convinced that there was no issues and that if they talked to anyone, that everybody would go to jail forever. Again, allegedly. Both parties. Same story. Allegedly. So, again, these these people are testifying on his behalf And again, the mothers are 100% behind it. Like, there's no way in hell. Not my kid. My kids are fine. They still want to go hang out with them. There's no way this is happening. And while all this is happening, he's also grooming new kids. And when he starts grooming new kids, the the want to to satisfy him as a person, to, to get that love back that's now missing, these kids, these guys would say just about anything to make sure that Michael would pay attention to them, 
pay attention to them again, even in a sexual manner. Um, so when you look at things like how how he was grooming the parents, I, I kind of see... This is going to sound fucked up. I kind of see why they miss some things, but it's only because they were so focused on making sure their kids were famous. They let fame destroy their children long term. Like, I understand wanting to do what's best for your kids. Like, you want them to be the best people they can ever be. Uh, You want them to be better than you in every way possible. But if I've said like a thousand times to mine, if you just say, would you like fries with that for the rest of your life, but you're fucking happy, like the happiest you've ever been, great. I guess it's successes should be looked at different ways. And for me personally, happiness is probably a bigger measure of success than conquering the world. But you can conquer the world by just going out and seeing it and being a child of this world. Being a... You know, a person that's a world traveler, somebody that goes out and is actually trying to learn, you're conquering the world in your own way. I don't need you to be some jumped up asshole that, you know, works for Goldman Sachs. And yeah, I may have fucked over every person in the office to get where I am today, but you know what? I'm fucking killing it right now. I've had four heart attacks. I think I feel a stroke coming on right now. But like you said, I get to crush everyone to get where I need. Different measures of success. Anyway. So I at least get it from that standpoint. Like, you're, you are so focused on your kids being successful that you were blinded by that. And he uses that to take advantage of not only your, your own greed and your own passion, took advantage of that to make sure that your kids were vulnerable to him. And then while he was spending this time with them, he was telling him how, you know, you should never trust your parents. They're bad for you. I'm the only person you can trust. And when you start adding that up with other stories that have come out, like Macaulay Culkin is a big one. Everyone goes to that and they're like, well, I mean, Macaulay Culkin denies it to this day. Okay. He went through the similar path with all these guys. His career began because of Michael Jackson and was furthered because of Michael Jackson. And then eventually he winds up divorcing his parents, which, by the way, is something that most of these kids sound like they would have done at one point. Like he had that much power and influence over them. Again, allegedly. So that's one piece of it. Um, The dads, there's not enough information about the dads like there's not enough why weren't the dads involved in the one case i mean the mom literally left him and moved halfway around the world in order to be close to michael jackson and he also apparently had some issues of his own but then we have the other father who seemed to be again kind of enamored by the fame of just being around michael jackson at one point i think they even get a house purchase for them around the same time that he was being accused of so many things uh, in the courts. I think, again, this is in 1993. But then the kids, when you look at how he progressed with each one of these kids, it's fucking crazy town. Uh, All right, I'm going to jump into, uh, skip ahead to the Neverland Ranch because 
I don't think we have enough time to go really, really fully in depth. And I honestly wish there was somebody else here I could talk to you about this because it's so fucking nuts. Um, but then they have like, they show the Neverland Ranch. And this is like, it's a personal Disneyland. The way that he had built it out was incredible. But also, he built what were described as sex rooms into every single, like, attraction, like, every single house, every every place that was out there, every ride, there was a place for him to go take somebody to have sex. And in his room, you had to get through, I think it was like four doors and three hallways and into two different bedroom doors before you could find the place where they allegedly were having sex. Um, and then he would have little, he did this like for years as one of them described it. And when they were on tour, he would have drills with them about getting dressed fast. And then what do you say? Like he was prepping them all the time for two things. I'm going to diddle you. And if anybody says anything, this is how we get out of it quickly. And this is what we do long term. Because if we don't, we're all going to go to jail forever and it will be your fault. The way, like, it's almost if you took, if you took a pervert and said, build a house, what would it look like? And actually, I should just say pedophile, not just pervert, but pedophile. How would you build this house? It's literally, like, right out of one of their minds. I'm going to have rides everywhere animals and then fuck stations at every single point possible but they're all going to be hidden rooms the fucking theater they had had a room within the theater where they could fuck and watch movies and it was a full theater with with like the glass case set up for popcorn and M&M's or whatever you want to just go back there and grab whatever you want and then we'll watch a movie. And he got to see movies before they were actually out in theaters because that's the kind of pull he had. Fucking crazy. I said, look, I suggest watching it because I'm doing it no justice and I'm bouncing around quite a bit. But I watched it in complete awe of some of the things that were being said. And again... Alleged accusations. None of this was ever proved in a court of law. And it doesn't help that both of these men were in Michael's corner for every trial that he went to. And then later in years came out as, yeah, no, he he molested us as well. And immediately there's controversy because why, why are you coming out now? Worse is, why are you asking for money? And I only say that for one reason. I understand why everyone else sued the estate. Okay? I sued the estate because it was not about money. It was about publicity. If you really wanted this to be public, especially today, if you really wanted this to be public, you would have never asked for money. You would have just tried. And unfortunately, it's posthumously. I mean, it's after his death. But... You would have at least tried just to put it out there. Um, the two of you together. Granted, this documentary, with every 
with all of the press it's currently receiving, people coming out again saying, I, no, it was never me, that never happened. Um, people like Stevie Wonder freaking out like this. No, I, I was on stage with them. These are things that have never occurred. Like uh, Even Corey Feldman. Okay, look. Corey Feldman coming out and saying, Michael would have never done this because he didn't do it to me, might be the single stupidest and most selfish statement I've ever heard. <sighs> Corey Feldman, if you're out there, you're not an attractive man. You weren't an attractive kid. So, yeah, I can see why he bypassed on you. Okay? Sorry. But that's just the reality of where we're at. You're not famous enough. You're not hot enough. You're just not anything enough to say things like, if he didn't do it to me, he didn't do it to anybody. Now, notice that everyone else is the same thing. No, it never happened to me. End of story. You've got to come out and say, it never happened to me because... Look, if he was going to diddle a kid, I would have been the guy he diddled. It would have been me. Like, that's fucking weird, man. Like, calm your ego down just a touch. Like, Jesus. But the press that it's getting right now is kind of what it should have got 20 years ago. It should have only been about charges brought against him, never about money. It should have only been about not a civil case. I'm sorry, it should have been a... um, State versus case, not a civil case. In one instance, it was, but then they settled on a court for like fucking $20 million. Okay. The next time it happened, it was another, it was not a civil case, but wound up being one on the back end of it. Settled out of court. And every time these kids came to his defense, it's fucking, it's so fucking weird. And then again, at the end of it, they all change, like they don't change their story. They just, well, they do. They completely change their story. It's not just that it's changed, it's, this late in my life, I'm having, like, repressed memories of things that have happened to me in the past. Things that are making it hard for me to be an adult. To me to be a parent. Anything else. So it's fucking Looney Tunes. I suggest everyone watches it. Don't watch it with your kids. But learn from it. Like, holy shit. If you ever want to take something as a blueprint for what a pedophile will do to your child, watch this. And look for those signs. They are undeniable and terrifying. Fucking terrifying. All right. Off of my soapbox. Again, everyone watch it. Um, Fire shrimp. (laughs) This is the best transition I've ever made in my life. Pedophile, fire shrimp. Alleged pedophile, but very good fire shrimp. Here's the deal. This is for people that don't have a lot of time, uh, want to cook something that is incredibly flavorful but fucking easy to do. Uh, get some fresh, deveined, um, and shelled shrimp. Uh, you can usually get this at most grocers. You just got to go back to the butcher counter, which no one actually uses anymore but exists. Uh, normally, I would tell you to cook. Uh, your shrimp with the shells still on them and only because it holds in so much of the original shrimp flavor but because we're going to be tossing these in like almost a buffalo sauce you you just want it off of there if we were sauteing them totally different Uh, but what you do is you take like one pound maybe two pounds depending on how many people you got put those in a bowl make sure they come up to like not room temperature but close you don't want them to get to any point where they might start actually um, getting bacteria on them, but close to room temperature, olive oil, and just salt and pepper. Good amount of salt and pepper, right? 
and then throw them into a pan. You need a, like enough cooking area that you're going to be able to turn these guys over. Uh, if you have to use two pans, use two pans. While you're doing that in a saucepan, throw in um, butter and then like a half, I don't want to say half a stick of butter, but depending on how much you're doing, if you're doing two pounds, do a half a stick of butter, okay? Uh, like maybe two to four tablespoons of rosé. Use a good rosé, one that's not sweet, but one that's more dry, only because you don't want that sweetness going through because we're going to add other ingredients that will account for that later on. Um, then to taste, use uh, granulated granulated onion or onion powder, granulated garlic or garlic powder, chipotle powder, and then a little bit of cumin and paprika, and then finish it off with, I'd say, two tablespoons. And again, this goes to your taste of sriracha mix that up okay now sriracha is going to do most of the heavy lifting as far as the spice is concerned but we only want to do a little bit of it because you've already got chipotle in there uh, and we want a good flavor with some kick to it we don't want kick and no flavor kick and no flavor is like nuclear wings that you get where it takes all the moisture out of your fingers before you eat it and all it does is winds up killing your stomach and giving you diarrhea for three days and then you're using ranch dressing on your butthole rather than actually on the wing itself. Okay, so that's not what we're in for. Um, once your shrimp are done, and by the way, that means that they make the perfect C. They've curled up and they're nice and pink. Take them out. toss, Just start tossing them in this. like Almost like you're making chicken wings. They're done cooking over here. Throw them. The sauce just needs to be a little bit warm. It doesn't need to be hot. You toss them in there. If you want to cool down... The like if it's a bit too much for you on the back end, like when you're tasting it, if it's too much, put a little bit of honey in there just to tone it down and give it a little bit of sweetness on the back of it. That honey will also help with your taste buds not being on fire. Toss those around and then just let them sit. And then simple after this, just cut up some cilantro, um, some onions, and some um, radishes. Small, just fine chop to them. And then it's just... Uh, maybe some avocado. Actually, Olivia did this, and it was great. She mashed some avocado into a paste, put it on her tortilla, and then dropped the shrimp on there and was eating those. And it that tort the uh, guacamole that she made actually coats your mouth in a way that you're not going to get like full kick of the fire. Um, and it's still very flavorful. But yeah, and then just throw them into a tortilla, and you've got yourself a great little taco. They're super fucking fast to make. Um, you could do it like big party, just put a plate of shrimp out there, put all the fixins, let everyone dish themselves up, take the rest of that rosé, fill up some glasses and enjoy yourself. Like it's solid business right there. All right. Next week, we're going to talk about, um, free agency in football. Um, and I think that's about it, but who knows with the way shit comes up during the week. Like, there's all this stuff that's coming up, like Manafort, why does Trump need $8.6 billion now for his wall, jumping from 1.3 to 5.7 to 8.6? If anyone else doesn't feel like he might be fleecing the United States to pay his own personal bills, you're fucking insane. Um, anyway, yeah, there's a ton going on. And now that the wedding season is over, we can focus on, you know, fun stuff. All right, I'll talk to you guys next week.